Welcome to the Developer Deep Dive series, brought to you by Middle Tech and sponsored by the Awesome Inc. Developer Bootcamp. Throughout this series, we'll be getting an inside look at the technology that powers the most innovative companies in this region, as our host, Justin Hall, interviews the people behind the code, the developers. This is a series to highlight the people that are coding the companies of tomorrow and show the next generation of developers that opportunities await in their own backyard. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the Middle Tech Podcast, the Developer Deep Dive series. My name is Justin Hall and I'm the lead developer of the Web Developer Bootcamp at Awesome Inc. And today we have Lamar Wilson on the show. Lamar is an entrepreneur, uh, a creative developer, a teacher, a mentor, a business owner. He has done so much in the community. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast Welcome, Lamar. What's going on, Justin? How you doing, man? <laughs> Great. Glad you're here. So the first thing I do is kind of like when somebody comes on and say, how do we how do we know each other? Let's claim Ken. You know, okay. how do we okay. know each other? Yeah, I mean, through uh, just the city. I mean, I think we kind of met each other through Awesome Inc. And uh, I think we just hit it off because both of us hoop, both of us develop. <laughs> That's right. Um, we've been through a couple things. Like we, we go get breakfast every once in a while at Cracker Barrel, so... Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, we we might as well be keen. You eat a Cracker Barrel together. That's right. That's you know right. What I remember the first time I saw you, uh, and I think you and and uh, Leif, uh, it was at um, Able Engine. Oh, okay. Back when, back when, back, yeah. yeah, when it was down there near the, um, <clears throat> um, what was that place called? Above Larry Redmond's. That's my yeah, best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Roxy is. <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, Adam Martin introduced us. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's my brother, man. Shout out to Adam Martin. What's happening, man? He's he is definitely yeah, he's talented. Ken. That's my kin. Ken, yeah, yeah, that's my kin. Good. So, so where are you from? I'm from Lexington, man. Northwest side of Lexington, a little community, a little neighborhood called Oakwood, right off of Georgetown Street. Um, so yeah, man, that's that's where I'm from. Born and raised, been in Lexington my whole life. I still live on the northwest side. So yeah. wow, yeah, that's great. So you've been in this area for a long time. And yeah. you've Forever. grown in this area, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you see how this area then has a big impact, especially with what you're doing. So right. I can't wait to get to that <laughs> segment a little bit later. Um, but so to kind of give people a reference, like uh, as a developer, you're definitely a developer. What would you best align with? Are you kind of like uh, a creative developer, architect, CEO? What What yeah, are my, some of those? My favorite thing is to be a software architect. Um, I love getting into code, but I really love laying out systems um, and, and just loving out, loving to lay out like microservices and how do you um, take this thing and scale it and how do you spawn up new stuff. So software architecture is probably my favorite part of it. Um, but I also just love coding, yeah. like building apps. Like I came from a situation where when I learned how to code, like the first thing I started doing after I built my first like social media site was just building these small apps for uh, Facebook. That's in cool. MySpace and a bunch of other social media networks at the at the time, Orchid and Bebo and 
there was a bunch of them, a high five. So those applications probably made me um, pretty much what I pretty much allow me to do what I do today, uh, which I don't do much of that as much as I want to. Um, but yeah, it allowed me to be where I am today because I just know, I understand architecture. I understand how to build apps. I understand how to do UX. Mm. Um, I understand, you know, I understand the full stack Yeah, just because I had to do it by myself. That's great. So, so that's, that's sort of your, you know, kind of how you cut your teeth thing, right? Everybody kind of does that where they get this, I had to work really hard to get into where I am now. But it wasn't even work, man. Yeah. No, nah, it wasn't. It was, it, a, it was, it was enjoyment. Fun. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was building those apps, because the thing is, is that the thing about MySpace and Facebook apps, they were new. And so when you got them out there, you had an audience immediately. And so by the time I finished all the apps that I had made, I had about probably half a million people a day using my apps. So I was kind of like, man, this is cool as heck. And I was getting like easy ad money. Wow. So it was like, it was fun. Yeah. It was like, yeah, this is cool. I wasn't doing anything. People were like, Lamar, like, you don't have a job. Like, wh- what are you doing? you just at the library every day. I was taking my kids and having relay races at the park. Like, just because it was just like the apps were paying me That's great. Um, enough to survive, right? And so I was free. <laughs> and so that kind of woke me up like, gosh, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? So That is a great story. So so self-taught. Oh, yeah, for sure. All day, all day self-taught. Um, it came from the fact that I had a skateboard company and I wanted it, I wanted a website, a social media website to go with it. And there was a company in town that had this, it's kind of like a, I don't know if it's like venture where they'll do your website and do all of that stuff for you, handle the tech. Um, but basically, and get a share of your business. And so the business was skateboards, that, that whole nine. Well, that deal went the whole year and fell through, but I had already made a, um, a tour. I, my wife had already scheduled a tour. So the idea was to have the uh, social media website done and we go on tour and that's how we fill the fill the social media website up. But they didn't finish their side of the, the, the uh-huh. deal and wind up walking and like, you know. So it was like, <sighs> so I just went and said, I'm still going to get a social media site. So I started asking around, talking to some devs um, and realized like once I started getting into it, and getting, I got a bunch of books. Once I started getting into it, I started learning quickly. And the guys that were supposed to be helping me are actually building it. I was going to pay them. They were like, you moving too fast. Like, there's no reason. <laughs> yeah, they were like, there's no reason for me to build it. You're already learning your stuff on your own. So awesome. just keep going. By the time I, there was like, by the time we build it, you would already have enough built. And yeah. so they was like, I'll just help you. So um, I would ask questions and they would help me out. Um, and they were just, man, it was, a, it was a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. So. I learned how to program, got that social media site done. I was just in the dang living room in my underwear in a, in a recliner, <laughs> just programming every day, all yeah, night, all yeah. day. That's when I got this sleep schedule. I only sleep about three or four hours a night. Like last night, I went to bed at like six, so oh, actually wow. six thirty. So yeah, I only sleep. A, it, that that's been my schedule since that's then. Um, but yeah, man, that's how I got into it. So um, so, entrepreneur, right? Business owner. Mm-hmm. Risk taker. Oh, for sure. And then you said, "Hey, I'm if I'm if I'm going to control my own destiny here, I need to learn this." Yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was just like I knew what I wanted. Yeah, and I was like, I you, want a social media site. Yeah, and ain't nobody else out here going to build it because the people I try to get that I knew on my network, they didn't. They wanted to build it, but I was moving so fast. So then I was like, I know I can do this. So I just learned. That's cool. And just kept pushing until I did it. You know. So. so- so, so you you went through that, and now you've got all. I know you got a bunch of irons in the fire. <laughs> For but sure. like, what is what is a day in the life of Lamar Wilson look like? Uh, it's, it's pretty freeing. Uh, I wake up, um, 
take a shower, you know what I'm saying, do the stuff everybody else does. Probably need to work out more. <laughs> but I haven't I'm been right doing, with you on that. Yeah, I haven't been doing that as much as I should. But uh, a lot of times I just hop up, take a shower. Um, real early I get on Clubhouse, uh, go run my, my Black Bitcoin Billionaires Club, and then I'm, I'll do a stand-up about my hemp business mm-hmm. um, and then go back to Clubhouse, do another show, and then maybe go out to the greenhouse. So um, it's really a lot of things, just whatever whatever's needed for the day. Um, and then I'll wind down, you know, hang out. Because the good thing is I work with my wife, um, so it's not like I'm missing it. My wife and my kids, right, they, they do a lot of work for me. Um, and so it's not like I'm missing a lot of family time. And then nighttime, kind of wind down, but I don't really wind down. Yeah. Um, it's like I only consume other people's stuff probably 5% of the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of people do a lot of consumption. I don't really consume. I like to produce, so. That's interesting. So tell, I know you mentioned two things there, and I've got it on my list that I wanted to ask you about. The organizations that you're involved with, things that your efforts you're involved with. So can you talk a little bit about each of those? Yeah, I mean, uh, right now my two main things I'm doing, SunJoin Hemp, uh, Hemp Company, which is SunJoin Incorporated, uh, I mean, SunJoin LLC, um, it is a company that is uh, trying to handle the vertical in the hemp industry from farm all the way to distribution by providing a network and using technology to connect all of these parts in the industry, right? Um, so we've been around for about a year, raised about half a million dollars from people online, about 1,100 people. Um, and I'm so- a part of that community, by the way, and I love seeing these shout outs when, when people say, Hey, I've done this, you know, I've yeah. got that little part and it's mine and I'm farming it and moving it. That's that's yeah. super awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. And then, um, and now just by happenstance, I created a club called black Bitcoin billionaires, um, because I've been in the Bitcoin space for a long time. Um, and I just been trying to get the education out to black folk, um, because nobody else was. Yeah. And, uh, clubhouse has become a great, avenue for me to do that and get that information out to people um it's grown really fast i think right now we're at about seventy-two thousand members followers mm. um and that's only been within about what two months almost three months so yeah it's been it's been growing pretty rapidly right now we're probably the biggest crypto or black black i mean the biggest bitcoin or crypto um club on clubhouse by membership so it's pretty cool man well i haven't joined clubhouse yet so <laughs> you've given me a reason to join i'm gonna yeah, join come on and in, check man. It out. you gotta join black bitcoin billionaires that's um, awesome it seems like you know most people look at it and go well i'm not black can i join that i'm like yeah like that's why the club is so big yeah i'm like it's not that it's um just because it says black doesn't mean that it's only for black people like it's ain't jim crow it's ain't like <laughs> Whites only, uh, you right. know what I'm saying? It's just, but this is what it is, is, is that black people run it. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. So if you have a problem with black people running it, yeah, you probably don't want to be in the I, club. I but. have I have absolutely no problem with that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That's yeah, I know you don't mind me running. We yeah. homies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but that's really all it is. It's just, you know, we run it. And it's really about, like, waving that flag, like, hey, like, black people, this is a place you can come and learn about Bitcoin in a safe environment, right? Because we even noticed, even on Clubhouse, that some rooms were treating black people a little bit, because mm-hmm. they were brand new, right? Yeah. That we we haven't had it really marketed to our community. Mm-hmm. So when people come in, they have very naive questions, and people were treating them kind of like, you know, like they yeah. should know more. And it's right. like, man, come on over here. We'll take care of you. It's a safe environment. Yep. And for any newbies, we wind up being a very safe environment for new people, right? So well, I'm going to probably come in and ask a real newbie kind of question. Oh, so. man, you're going to get much love. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's people going to wrap their arms around you, walk you through it. Watch, man. Yeah. That's why That's why our club is growing so big, uh, so fast because that's what we do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We take, we take care of the people. You know so, I mean? so you mentioned a couple things. 
uh, one, Bitcoin. And when I, I hear people talk about it, it's kind of like, well, that's the, you know, the, 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 the thing that's making the news because it's, you know, a whole new uh, currency. Right. But then, like, with the developer deep dive, what we want to kind of talk about is, like, what's the tech stack like for Bitcoin? How did you get there? How do you know about it? And, like, how do you educate people about it? <laughs> well, shoot, um, uh, again, it's, it's almost by happenstance, right? I um, was pitching a company out in uh, Silicon Valley to a VC uh, myself and Leif, shout out to Leif Taylor, yeah. Lexington legend. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I pitched the uh, company out there, and um, the VC, while I was talking about it, goes, "Hey, you guys have this currency in your app. Have you ever heard of Bitcoin?" I'm like, "No, I have not heard of Bitcoin." And so I thought he said Big Coin, <laughs> and I was like, you know, when thinking about it, Leif, we left, and Leif was like, Lamar, he looked it up. He was on his phone. He's like. I think he meant Bitcoin. I think he was talking about Bitcoin. I was like, oh, let me see it. So he let me see it. I was like, I was like, what is this? Like, this is not, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not something that's not doing anything with us. Like, what? I just read the first page. It's like, oh, it's just something different, right? And I just kept it moving. Um, and then fast forward, the price goes up, and I see it in the news. And I'm like, this, it's that Bitcoin thing again. I was like, let me go check this out. So I go back to the page, to the site, and I go look up the the white paper. And I read the white paper, and... All I read was freedom. Mm. I was like, man, are you telling me I can program my own money? I can handle my own money? Like, and it ain't even part of the system. Like, this is like a completely different system. Like the system that won't let me do this now. Yeah, right. So it's like, this is, a, this is an alternative to that? Oh, gosh. So same thing I did when I learned how to program in the first place. Um, I just dug into everything I could to figure out, like, what's this cryptography? What's ECDSA? Like, what is this stuff? What is uh, SEC 2K? Uh, what is it? SEC? I can't even remember right now. SEC um, 2K. What is it? The the curve. I can't mm -hmm. think what it is right now. My, my mask kind of, what's the name? I can use it, but I can't even <laughs> think what it is right Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so all of that stuff, I, I dug into that and was like, how can I build a wallet? Because evidently a wallet's how I'm going to interface with it. So I started building a wallet. And I told Leif after that night, I didn't go to sleep. It's just like now, I didn't go to sleep. So um, after that night, I was like, Leif, man, I was up all night uh, reading about Bitcoin and like trying to learn how to like program with it the whole night. And I said, I need to go into it. He was like, man, that's cool. Because me and him had a business at the time. So he's like, I'll handle the business. You do what you got to do. And so I was like, I right, appreciate it, man. So I just went down the rabbit hole of learning. <laughs> And then I, we started building a wallet. Yeah. Um, what was the wallet called? Fever, man. It was a Fever wallet. And once we built that wallet, uh, we uh, all wallets were banned on iOS. Like the iPhone banned all wallets, huh. right? Um, so we had to figure out like how to get around that. So we were one of the only companies. Matter of fact, at the time, we were the only company in the world you could get an iOS wallet from. Yeah. Um, so I remember that, getting an invitation from you for a wallet. But it was probably feeble. I think it was. And you called, what was the name of the coin, that you, the currency that you called it or whatever? No, no, it was feeble. It was still Bitcoin. Okay, still Bitcoin. But you're talking about the uh, car cooperative. Yeah, the co-op. The co-op. But that's how we was able to distribute it. Okay. Because um, Apple has this uh, program where if you have your own organization, you can distribute applications through the organization. But we had to make sure that everybody was a part of an organization, so we established a co-op to allow everybody to become a part of the organization. And because they were a part of the organization, we can now distribute the application to everybody. Fantastic. So, yeah, we thought around it, right? We yeah. went we went a whole different route to figure out how to do it when everybody else was, like, complaining. We saw one guy shooting his phone in his backyard, like, screw Apple, bow. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's wild. So, yeah, so that's 
that's we just we just thought like especially me i was thinking from a standpoint of like a co-op right is something that we know about around kentucky right yeah like all these farmers oh. and stuff in co-op so you understand that it's an organization that can actually have have these members and those members can be empowered but that uh, also allowed us to say technically like we can distribute this application to people who are in our organization and they can legally be in our organization and we can make the we can make the membership free you know right so, right so again being inclusive and educating and then also being very creative because everybody knows what a a co-op is and right so that not everybody that's the problem well yeah okay so, yeah so you gotta like everybody doesn't know what a co-op is they really don't like when we registered that co-op the woman said i haven't seen one of these i've been here for 20 years i've never registered a co-op with the wow. state so a lot of people don't read like the most co-ops are old yeah right it's like an old way because it's funny because it just feels like people don't do stuff together no more that's true that is true <laughs> You, well, you know, I think that's one thing I see about you, uh, especially is you've got a really high sense of community and high touch and that you want to educate people. You want to get people included. And right. uh, I think that's great. Um, and all the things you're doing, I know you're doing more than that, uh, but I, I know maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> uh, but I definitely love uh, the information you're sharing, and I'm going to take advantage of it because I'm going to join your, your clubhouse. No, for sure. Uh, so let, let's get into a few other things like tech topics. I have a little segment called Tech Topics, and okay. it's, it's I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to make it go. I'm trying to make it go somewhere, but it's kind of like a game. <laughs> and I'm going to say a term or say a concept or whatever, and in 144 characters or less, you know, a tweet, I guess, uh, what does it mean to you? How would you define it? What, just, what's your answer? I'm going to be real with you, too, man. You know I'm self-taught, so if it's something technical, yeah. I probably won't even know the definition. That's that's good. That's <laughs> fine. Because like, what, what, what I'm trying to do is get a reference, like with everybody that comes on, how do you define it? Right. And if you don't know it, that's great, too, because right. then that tells us where we need to focus our efforts. Right. Uh, just like you're doing in the in the community. right, 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 right. So, <clears throat> DevOps. What do you think about DevOps? Uh, I don't really know what DevOps is because I haven't had any terminology around it. Yeah, it sounds like developer operations. Yeah. Um, but like, so in in a way, we've kind of thought about it. Previous guests have said this is a combination of developers being supported by operations, and usually those are two exclusive things. Well, see, that's what's that's what the problem is with me. Because I do, I'm always the person that is the developer operations. Because like, I'm some, the developer yeah. and I'm the operations. Because yeah. I'm always the entrepreneur running stuff, and at the same time, I'm one of the, the devs. So I guess for me, it's just me. Yeah. So when you say DevOps, it means Lamar. Right. <laughs> like, I got you. So here's a, here's another one: uh, tech entrepreneurs, uh, pioneers. Um, tech entrepreneurs are pioneers that. Uh, see what others may not see and try to use technology to solve problems. Great. That's wonderful. Local workforce development. Oh, everything. Um, I truthfully believe like that we could probably do far more with that. Um, and I think that, that but that comes from, it's funny because that comes from tech entrepreneurs mm -hmm. because you got to have the job, you got to have the job market for the, for the workforce development for the, these tech people. Um, but if you don't have the people that are starting new businesses and really before that, if you don't have the capital to put into these companies to them, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think, I think, um, I think cities, especially like Lexington States, like Kentucky need to spend way more money on investing in startups, like technical startups. I think we have dropped the ball. Mm. Like, I think we do a little bit. I know awesome Inc. does a great mm -hmm. job with some of that stuff, but 
I think it just needs to be way bigger. Mm-hmm. That's the, I mean, we we I think we invest in the wrong programs in Kentucky. To That's be interesting. With you. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. What about local talent? Uh, local talent is everywhere. I think it's untapped. I think um, just like myself, like I feel like I'm a pretty talented developer, mm-hmm. right? But I I had to do all of this on my own. Like I didn't go to get a computer science degree. I had to figure it out, and I had to have a spark hit me for my talent to even show. Mm. The fact that I had so many people around the world using my apps and my wallet, right? It's like, oh yeah, there's yeah. thousands of people in your groups. Yeah, and I'm like, my groups are big, so yeah. it's like I realized that I have the talent. Like I wouldn't have known I had the talent. I remember when I was young, I was like. You could never make me program. Like, I would never be a computer programmer. I was like, who wants to sit around and look at words on the screen all day? That is boring as heck. Yeah. I used to say that. Like, I would, I would be, I would talk so down about software development. Like, it's just whack. But then I realized, like, my, my whole goal as a kid was always to be an inventor. I used to draw plans for flying cars. Matter of fact, my dad says he kept his old car in the driveway because of me, because I used to cool. say I was going to make it fly. And I'm like, nah, you just don't want to do nothing with it. You just jump. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was. He said, no, man, I'm serious. I was holding it because I was like, one day my son's going to make that car fly. But what I realized about software more than anything is that I am an inventor. Like, I can create whatever I want to create, make the code, do whatever I want it to do, and nobody can tell me I can't. Yeah. And I can do that and become an inventor and make something new. And I realized that code, uh, software development is more of a, of a creative process than it is a logical one. Yeah. Most people don't know that though. Oh yeah, like so true. It's so much problem solving. Like you're yeah. always solving a problem. You're always trying to fix a bug. You're always trying to figure out how to make this thing work with something else. That you have to have creativity to do that. And that's what drew me to it. And once I got, I got addicted. Mm-hmm. So two things I love to do: video edit and program mm-hmm. are two things that I said when I was younger. Like when I was hooping and having a good time and all that. I'm like, man, I never do that. It's just sitting at a computer and. Moving videos around is stupid, right? And then I was like, man, I'm just going to sit there all day and just keep typing, like, and just looking at a screen, not realizing all the other pieces and facets until I got into it. So I just say the talent's untapped because I think it's a it's a level of exposure that we don't have, you know? Yeah. And, I, and that's not the 100. See, here I go. I just had a conversation. It's uh, supposed to be 140. No, no, it's a good. I'm, we're going we're gonna to end on that one. That was good because it had a lot of context, and I think that's what you're saying. Like, without context, yeah, you know, your dad having the – the car in there to give you a goal in mind. Yeah, that and, old Dodge Charger. Yeah, those kind of things are context. <laughs> like it drives. I had a similar similar story. One day I'll share it, but uh, definitely uh, want to move to this next segment. And it's mostly like, how did you get at the current tech stacks? Well, we kind of know that you've talked about it. And what, but what challenges do you see like in the tech stack? Bitcoin's built on something, right? It's yeah. built on this cryptocurrency. What 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 can it's you built tell us on blockchain. about it? Blockchain, right? yeah, it's okay. Built on blockchain. All right. Um. So, what can we tell you about Bitcoin? So, Bitcoin's foundation is, is like Bitcoin is blockchain. Blockchain is Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Like that's just the way it works. Um. You have to use both of those, and the one and the killer app that's built on top just happens to be a currency. The first killer application on Bitcoin, I mean, on blockchain, is a is. So, bl- uh, blockchain could be used for anything. Yeah. So, yeah, blockchain, but people don't really. I can't even say for anything because blockchains are not hot sauce. Yeah. I coined that. I said blockchains are not hot sauce. You can't put it on everything. Right. Okay. Um, and that's real. It's like you wouldn't put, you know. I get that. Hot so, sauce on cake, right? So if, I've heard another word, Ethereum. What's Ethereum as p- compared to so, blockchain? So, okay. So Bitcoin 
Um's whole purpose is to be peer-to-peer money. That's that's what the Satoshi White Paper said. It's becoming a store of value right now, and I think it's going through its progression, and as it becomes ubiquitous, it'll be money. Like I mean, it'll be like currency, right? I think we just have a while before we get to that point. Uh, Ethereum, on the other hand, they've set out to be the world computer. So they want to be able to process this code on everybody's computer mm. and, and update state to the computer, right? Mm. And so that's update the, state. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it yeah. is. Like yeah. to make sure that every ledger, every node has the same state, right? Right. Um, and they they try to do that. It's it's very like if you look at the the way they did it from an architectural standpoint, it's pretty much the same as Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a scripting language. Most people don't know that. Like Bitcoin has it. It's just that Ethereum went after doing a Turing complete scripting language or Turing complete language so that you could do more like loops and right. for loops and those kind of things. So there's these differences in philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference is that Bitcoin is done. Like it don't you don't have to add nothing else to it for Bitcoin to do what it's doing. Ethereum is still trying to figure out how to make their initial promise work. So they even think about going to Ethereum 2.0, which is weird mm. for something that's supposed to be decentralized and nobody controls, <laughs> right? Because how do you have an update? How do, yeah, who 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 pushes the code to the repo yeah, that yeah, gets the update? Exactly. See, so that's those are some of the arguments people have. It's like one of them is decentralized in its nature, and the other one is we they because even the Ethereum has rolled back the chain before to somebody put a, a, a app on there called the DAO. That a lot of people put their Ethereum in t- as a as a DAP as a decentralized application, mm-hmm. and it wind up stealing a lot of money. So what they did was they rolled the chain back. Now that's almost blasphemous. You do that in Bitcoin right now, like people oh. like it's it, you know. It's, well, so many people are investing in Bitcoin now. And yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. There's a lot of people investing in Ethereum, but it's like how can you roll back? The whole point is that you shouldn't be able to. Who who gives the authority to roll it right. back? So then, so then, if you've got blockchain and you've got this thing, Ethereum, which is like that, what's to stop from having, you know, hundreds of thousands of cryptocurrencies or whatever built on this technology? That's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, why not? Okay. The whole idea behind it is, is that it's choice, right? Like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Because even people don't understand this in this country, making your own currency is not illegal. Like, you can make your own currency as long as it's not meant to compete with the dollar. Can you say that again? Because I just, like, like, I'm having a moment. Yeah. In this country, you can make your own currency. You just can't. You can't. It's not supposed to be made to compete with the dollar. But there are plenty of alternative currencies. And as a matter of fact, um, there's an idea that alternative currencies actually solidify or to stabilize economies. Um, there's There's a currency in Switzerland, right? So if you think about Europe and all of the like financial unrest that has happened in Europe, right? Now they're all on the Euro, but the, all of those different countries had their own issues with their economies. The one stable economy there was Switzerland, right? Everybody understands that. Switzerland, the banking, right? The thing is, is that most people don't know the reason why Switzerland was kind of stable is because there was an alternative currency that can be used in the country that these businessmen came up with called the WIR, the W-I-R. So that WIR currency was an alternative currency to the Swiss franc, right? Mm-hmm. That people used, and when the Swiss franc was having trouble, they just turned to the weir. And those two together kept that economy stable. Interesting, right? So I think I think most people don't understand that about currencies and understand it about how money has been around the globe. So it doesn't matter how many it is. Like what lets you know you're more free is the fact that you have choice, mm-hmm. that you have options, right? Like. 
things that aren't free don't have options. They have to be set in a certain way. And you realize that, and that's what you start realizing about the United States. It's like, if you don't have an option to do certain things, <laughs> then you're not as free as you think you right. are. Like you should have as many options as possible because that's what makes you free. And if I get into it from a spiritual level, <laughs> like that's the whole thing with God, right? Yeah. Free will. It's like, yep. like he's letting you know you're free to make your own decisions. You can do whatever you want. And of course there's consequences, but he ain't, him being all powerful is not making you do anything. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do get, I, I really appreciate that explanation because that helped me a ton. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. That just kind of took me by, um, you know, because you've got to get momentum, you have to get all these things in the right place and it's got to hit just right for the, for, you know, to happen. Yeah. But so, it's, it's really, it really boils down to a community can embrace a currency. Like there is a, uh, uh, currency up in the northeast called Berkshires mm-hmm. and they use it in their community um, to keep money within the community because that's how you, that velocity of money is how you start to build wealth within a community the longer that money stays within a community the um, more that the, it, the more wealth gets mm-hmm. built right because if you think about it let's say you have something for a dollar that you're selling and I come and give you a dollar for that and I take the good now you have a dollar of revenue mm-hmm. right and then you turn around and I got something I'm selling for 50 cents so you take that and give it to me now I got 50 cents but then I take that same 50 cents and give it back to you right and we keep going back well your revenue keeps going up even though you keep giving it to me and my revenue's going up mm-hmm. so if both of our revenue just keeps going up by us trading this back and forth to one another gotcha. and we're making profit on it then that's how you start to that's that velocity of money because it's not like the new dollar came in it's just that that dollar touched and, and affected more people, more and, people. and gave, the, here's the thing, that dollar gave everybody more options. Right. Because now I got a dollar, I can go buy this. That, so that, when that, a dollar that. turns over in the community, the more, more times, the better off that the better, community. Way better. Okay. That's what. That's why, like, places like Black Wall Street, right, yeah. thrive. Tell me about that. So, like, most people don't know there's a place in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Greenwood that was in a very, and there was a bunch of these around the United States, and the reason why they happened is because, um, after Reconstruction, like, of course, black people were treated a certain way even after they came out of slavery. And so what they realized is they had to start building their own business, have their own dentists, their own doctors, all of these things. They started building these communities. And the community, because they couldn't spend their money anywhere else, started because of the velocity of money, that whole economic system, these communities started to be extremely affluent. Like, they had, people had furs and cars and, right? Mm-hmm. These are people who came from slavery, mm-hmm. right? And so what would happen is in these communities, they would be in communities of poor white people that that were looking on like, hold on, we still poor. <laughs> like these people were slaves, how they have cars and furs and they're doctors and there's these businesses and all of this thriving. And if you watch any of those old videos of it, it's crazy. It's like thriving community. We, after we talked about it, I did watch that. I'm just amazed by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like these thriving communities of that, right? But then the poor white people around are like, hold on. And so what happened was they came in and bombed, like bombed, killed people, massacre. It was massacre in Greenwood, uh, Black Wall Street massacre, right? And a lot of people don't know about that. Like mm. you said, like I had to educate you on yeah, it. Yeah, oh yeah. So I a lot of people didn't know. Like that's the biggest terrorist, domestic terrorist act on U.S. soil. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, nobody I mean, talks about it amazing. though. Yeah, nobody talks about it. We talk about 9-11. We talk about, right. you know, um, what's your boy's name that blew up the daycare? Um uh, that was in Oklahoma too, right? Uh, Oklahoma yeah. City bombing. Yeah, the Oklahoma City bombing. So when you yeah, think, it's been so long now, I've forgotten yeah. the guy's name. So when you think about that, man, it's like 
that that happened because of the velocity of money because mm. you couldn't like the money could not leave the community because nobody would take their money right right it's it's a crazy thing and that's why i always trip because i'm like why i always ask my mom and like why do people sit in like she's 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 right at the end of that like city and stuff but i was like yep. why did y'all sit in to go give your money why like why in the world would y'all do that like why would y'all sit at these counters in places where the people didn't want your money to beg them to for you to mm. give them the money. Not even beg them, but just to be like, we need the rights to be able to buy from you. Right. And you know they're going to spit in your food. Mm. Like, why not just build your own restaurant across the street, even if it took you a little bit to get it going, right. and you only use your restaurant, use the restaurant of the people that want to actually food with you. And it's like, that never made sense to me. Because when you do do that, that's what happens. It's these Greenwood type areas, these soul cities, these, right? You got all these type, and soul city's not really one. It's a little bit later in time. Right. But um, there's one in North Carolina, and I can't remember what it's called, that happened around the same time as Greenwood, right? But what happened was, is that when the money all of a sudden could leave the community, hmm. it it did. So that's a good yeah. point. I want to go to this segment next, is yeah. Le- Lexington tech scene. Yeah. How can we take... What you just described there. Man. How can we take the good things from that and apply it here and, and rubber stamp you as a as a developer, as Man. a as a uh, black developer, how can we make more of you? Well here's the thing, right? Um I don't think it's about making more black developers. I think it's just about making more developers, sure. period. And I in, in in Lexington, because in the tech community, it's probably a harder thing being from Kentucky than it is being black. I say mm. it all the time. Like if I tell somebody, yeah, man, um, I'm a developer and I'm black, it's like, oh, okay. If I say, yeah, man, I'm a developer, I'm from Kentucky. Kentucky? Yeah. It's like, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, you know what I'm talking I, about. I connect with that a little no, bit. No, you know exactly what I'm saying. So it's like, it's it's more about like building that kind of environment. But the yeah. truth is, and this is one of the things that I always uh, wonder about, one of our largest spenders, of course, is always UK in the, in the community, UK. Uh, I would say Toyota and, mm-hmm. you know, the government, like LFUCG. I, one of the, like, even a blaring thing, I was like, why in the world did we go outside of Lexington to go find somebody to make this blue horse? <laughs> we paid them fees to somebody outside of Lexington to make the blue horse. I would think there would be a mandate to say, find, somebody, local. find somebody home first. Yeah. Like, why would you not find somebody at home first? Do you know what that does for your economy? you know what mm. that does for the velocity of money? Oh, yeah. You are the biggest spender. Why would you not find people at your... Like, that should be the mandate. We're going to find people that are in our community first. And if we don't have it, then we go there for the last option. You see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying. So, like, one of the questions I've asked previous guests on here, uh, how are communities supportive? You know, com- communities like Awesome Inc., Base 110., uh, Girls Who Code, then we had the Bluegrass Developer Guild that's Ron Northrup. Yeah. And, you know, how can those uh, groups influence these buyers and be able to say, you need to buy local? How can we do I that? Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just never understood it because I asked uh, some council members, I think, at the time, and they said, well, we have to be able to compete, right? So we want to get the best price. But when I looked at what they paid for the freaking Blue Horse. Mm. Yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm sure there's somebody in town. <laughs> like, <laughs> I promise you there's somebody in town that would have did something like that for yeah. a lot cheaper. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I do. I do. I see what you're saying. We have to value ourselves, and that's the biggest part. Like, I think Kentucky has a value issue. Mm. Like, to be honest with you. Yeah. I was like, if we want to talk about, like, this is, this is cousin talk, right? It's yeah, like, buddy. we all Kentucky boys. That's right. So, if we think about it, I go and I speak for Randall Stevens, another local entrepreneur. I speak for his class 
every year. And he, you know, I come in, we're talking about entrepreneurship, the whole nine. And I asked him almost every year, I say, hey, how many of y'all in here want to be an entrepreneur? And maybe one person out of 30, or one, mm-hmm. like his last class, like one person out of 100. And they was doing this. They mm-hmm. were doing their hand like, <laughs> like maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, and I was like, why is that? If I had the same, if I spoke the same talk at Stanford, I guarantee most of the, everybody. Everybody. At Purdue, everybody. Yeah. At Duke, everybody. It's what you model. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's like in our local environment, local, it's what you model. Uh, I learned that a lot from things that I did at Easter, in Eastern Kentucky, where right. I'm from. Right. You know, I, the... Obviously, you can kind of tell I got a little bit of an accent. So yeah, I know where you're from. We yeah. cousins, man. We ate a cracker bro a few exactly. times, man. You know, come on, I know where you're from. Well, the the cool British accent was already taken. So, anyways, <laughs> I get what you're saying because if you don't model that on the creek, if you don't model that in the city street, if you don't model that in, right in the hollow, yeah, in the hood, like you, you know, what I'm saying you you can't get you can't expect people to raise their hand and say I want to be that right. And it ain't even that. It's more of it's not even. I don't think it's the modeling as much as it is the mentality. Hmm. There is a very conservative um, mindset when it comes to risk taking and being risk averse. But I don't think most of these young people know that it's far more risky to go work for somebody than to work for yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Because you have no control. Right. Like you have no control. Like they can lay you, they can be making plans to lay you off the night before and you so happy going to work and you come in and here's pink slip. Which if, seen and heard a lot of people talk about yeah that. you get what i'm saying yep, but you have no control it. over that at least what you working for yourself the other the the elements are what you have to go against right but those same elements are what your what your job is going against like your job is going against those same elements like they might have more economy scale more access to capital all of these other things but that doesn't mean you can't do that yeah. you just have to do it slower but we want such quick gratification because I think because it's just like the same thing I say with black folk because we've been oppressed so long mm-hmm. like Kentucky is a poor place you know what I'm saying we mm-hmm. know that we can't even there's nothing we can you can't dispute it right and mm-hmm. it's poor because of the way the system has worked and the good old board networks that have only uplifted certain people in certain communities and leaving eastern Kentucky behind right mm-hmm. or leaving leaving uh, west end of Louisville behind yep. or the west end of Lexington behind right yep. it's like all of this stuff ties together so when you look at that, it's like we have to be intentional about actually lifting up these communities so that everybody can eat. Mm-hmm. But if we are only like playing this gatekeeper role so that certain people stay in power, yeah. it's a crazy thing. Man. So so crypto and technology and being able to learn and understand yeah. things like code, like you said before, is freedom. Yes, bro. And so that to me, completely freedom would be like the goal. It's an equalizer. Yeah, it's an equalizer. Yeah, because if you got a dude from north end, the northwest side of Lexington, right, in a in an office on Georgetown Street, which a lot of people in this community, I ask the kids, "Have you ever been to Georgetown?" No. And if you talk to people, they act like Georgetown Street's like. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A bad place. Like it's Lebanon or something. Right. Like there's Beirut or something. People blowing stuff up all day. Like back, back home, Harless's Creek. Yeah, exactly. It's it's Hollis. Like yeah. when, you go to, when you go to country town, it's like, don't go down there to Snakey Hollow. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. So it's like, it's the same thing, but it's like, you know people in there are good folk. Oh, yeah. You know it if you've been in there. Oh, I've like, been down the creek many a time and yeah. they say, hey, come on the porch and let, right. me, let me feed you. Right. Let me talk to you. Exactly. Yeah. Good folk down in there, yeah. but it gets labeled. And then, then you take that and say, you give that guy an ability to code. You give him a computer and mm-hmm. access to the internet. And then he makes a wallet that a dude in Australia, right, 
when he sees him in Las Vegas, goes, oh, my God, you guys are fever. <laughs> and you looking like, what the heck? He's like, dude from Australia. Yeah. You go to a conference and some dude just runs up, hey, you in a fever, guys. What yeah. is going on? Yeah. So nice to meet you. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm still cool with that guy today. But when I met him, it's like that. that's what blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like here I am in Las Vegas at a conference, don't know anybody, and we standing on the wall, and some dude from Australia comes running up saying, I know you guys. And here I am yeah. from the northwest side of Lexington. That's incredible. Like, that is what code can do. It connects you to all of these different people. It connects you to the world and and creates this equalization, right? It's an equalizer. It's almost like a room. That's why I love Clubhouse. Clubhouse is a great equalizer, right? Mm -hmm. Because I always say, if you in the room, Leif, you say this all the time, too. Like, Leif is the one that I think he started saying is, like, the room is an equalizer. It's like, if you in the room with somebody else, y'all in the same place. It's like, let's say there's somebody who you really admire in the same room. The fact that you're in the same room with them at that point in time, yeah, means you're, that you can connect with got them, connection. and we on the same level. Yeah, because humans are humans. Like some people have done certain things that puts them up higher in people's minds. But I've always been the firm believer: there ain't nobody better than nobody. Everybody got their own talents and skills. And I think that's where diversity comes into play. Right when you have something that you bring to the table, like stone soup. That you know, if you heard that story <laughs> yeah, about I heard stone it, soup. Yep. When you bring something to the table, I bring something to the table that's a little different, then the magic happens. Right. So that's awesome. I want to wrap up a little bit. I mean, yeah. This has been so good. I've really enjoyed this. Um, but I want to tell you this. I, I kept this as a surprise. Okay. So I love this analogy of a hero starting off on their path with a destination unknown and having the insight to stop an experienced hero on their way back from their destination and asking the question, what question should I ask you before I begin? So let's pretend our listeners are starting off on their path mm-hmm. and you are the hero returning. Any wisdom you want to impart, what question should they be asking? Uh, the question they should ask, no, it ain't even a question they should ask. I'm just going to look at them and say, fail a lot. Mm. Fail. Don't be afraid to. That's it. Fail a whole lot. Like, like I think that is the most the biggest hindrance to a lot of coders or new coders is that they want their code to be perfect off top. Like me, I had no choice. Mm. I just had to keep doing it till I figured it out. Yeah. I didn't have a teacher to come say this is what this is. To mm-hmm. give me here's the thing. When you don't have a grading system, <laughs> right? Yeah. When you don't have somebody telling you that you're failing, then that fail failure is not failure. Failure is just part of the learning. Yep. When somebody puts an F on the paper, then that's like, oh, you failed. No, you cannot fail until you stop, right? If you quit, yeah, you failed. Right. But as long as you continue to keep, and when you don't, again, when you don't have any, when you don't know any other way except to just keep getting it because the end goal is more important than what you're doing in the moment, then that's how you continue. Because all of those steps along the way, like if you know you're trying to get to the top of a mountain, and you put your foot in a hole. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, a setback. But you pull your foot out of the hole and you keep walking. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If the wind gets too heavy, it's like if it gets and it's blowing all around you and it gets really cold, then you just wrap up, but you keep walking. You dig what I'm saying? Yep. So it's like it doesn't. And then let's say you hit a bad rock and you slide down 30 feet. But if you really want to get to the top of the mountain, you might have had that setback. But you get up and you remember, OK, that rock slick. 
I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to find another way and keep walking. Like, that is what I would tell anybody. The question they should ask is, how do I get to the freaking top of the mountain? Mm -hmm. I said this on another podcast because I use this analogy all the time. I was like, many times we see a mountain. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of the mountain, we see a little man. He's down there weaving baskets. He's sitting right at the bottom of the mountain. He's weaving baskets. And many times we walk past and wave at him. Hey, man, I'm gone up the mountain. And he looks and he waves back and you walk up the mountain, but you don't make it to the top. It's like, man, it was rough. It was kind of hard. And the next dude comes, he's like, hey, man, how you doing? They got all the equipment. They done all the research on the mountain and what's the best things to do and all of these other things. And this guy sitting at the bottom of the mountain and you walk right past him. He goes, hey, man, you walk up, you don't make it all the way. You come back down. Then one wise dude, he walks up, sees the man at the bottom of the mountain and he looks at him. He says, man, beautiful day out, huh? He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, what, what you know about this mountain? The man at the bottom of the mountain says, I've climbed it many times. And he goes, oh, really? He goes, so, so what's the best way up? And the man at the bottom of the mountain tells him. And that man makes it all the way to the top. All because he was observant enough to realize that the person who's been up the mountain is probably the person you should ask. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when they've been up the mountain, just take the time out to talk to the man at the bottom of the mountain. This guy who's in close proximity. He might not look like much. He might not have all the equipment you have and all the capital and all this different stuff. But if you go and just talk to him one time, he'll tell you, I went up the mountain a hundred times before I figured out how to get to the top. Hmm. But now that I know, I can go every single time afterwards. That's great. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, we got to start talking to the people who have been there before. Mm -hmm. And especially in this society, we have started to discount our elders. Mm -hmm. Right? We discount them as they don't know enough because they don't know about technology. They can't push buttons on this thing. We value independence over collaboration and teamwork. Right. And And asking somebody else, bro. Yes. Like, that's the thing. You don't realize, like, it is the combined and aggregate source of knowledge that makes us all better. Yeah. Well, I will definitely be coming to you and yeah, asking you more for sure uh because and i think anybody in our community would serve themselves well to come to you and have you as a mentor lamar i want to thank you yes man uh for your time and your insight uh appreciate your contributions to the tech community um and we hope that you have continued success like i think you're just gonna you're gonna do great things you're already doing great things yeah man um, All glory to God, man. Yeah, man, that's right. <laughs> Straight up, I'm I'm right with you on that. I think uh, there's there's things we put into play that we don't even know's out there. And he's right. the he's the one. God is it. great, bro. So, Middle Tech listeners, thank you for your time, and please leave us your feedback. We are going to continue this discussion and have guests on like Lamar in the next few episodes. We hope you take part in the discussion. Reach out to Lamar. Reach out to me. Reach out to Middle Tech, uh, and. Uh, because we want to listen, we want to learn more in this developer deep dive and go over these topics that we discussed today. So my name is Justin Hall, lead instructor of Awesome Inc.'s Web Developer Bootcamp and Middle Tech supporter. See you in a bit. <laughs>